Welcome to The Boot. That's right, it's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week, Kenna and I are shaking it up with the 1990 action comedy. Is that how you would best describe this? Yeah, it's a monster it's movie. It's a monster movie. It's a, it's a great classic monster movie. Tremors, starring Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, Finn Carter, Michael Gross, and Reba McIntyre. Kenna. You have been wanting to do this movie for so so long. It has been in development hell for as long as we were alive. And now it's free. Here's the thing. So they made Tremors the TV series. Mm -hmm. And they they made the heck out of it. And then it got dumped. Mm. So this show exists somewhere. Um, You gotta find it. I want to say maybe it was supposed to be like the sci-fi channel was supposed to take it. And they just decided not to use what they had put together. So it was back on the table for us. And guys, I could not be more excited. Yeah. You know what, can I? I had never seen this movie, but this movie is fucking awesome. This is one of those movies that, like, trying to pick out clips for this movie, every time I clicked on something, I was like, this is great. This is great. This is also the best part of the movie. This is an even better part of the movie. From minute one to the end, you are on board. It's so good. Must be a million of them. Nope, just one. He made him! We can make it! Stupid son, bitch. Knocked itself cold. My ass. He's dead. We killed him. We killed it. Fuck you! This movie was so shocking to me right off the bat. Like, probably one of the best character introductions in a movie I've ever seen. And I have questions about this. But two ranch hands out in the middle of nowhere, poor, they work job to job, and that's their lot. And all they want is to get out of that lot. And then here come these monsters. See, that's what's so great about this movie is it honestly, it seems like it would be really stupid. But what it achieves is kind of incredible because these two guys just want to get out. The day they decide to leave town, the road is cut off by these big slugs underground that are just trying to eat people up. And so they create this like bottle situation where there's like 14 people total in this town and they all just have to figure out a way to, to stay out. alive yeah. so they can get over the mountains and to somewhere else and that's kind of genius yeah it's a great great contained story yeah that should be taught in schools this is how much I've like come to think about this movie. I was like, man, I knew that if this movie was going to be good and everyone loves this movie, but like it really went above and beyond what I thought it was. So I'm Brian Flynn. With me as always is Kenna Trent. If you've never heard this podcast, The Boot is a movie podcast where we pick a movie, a classic movie, and talk about what would it be when Hollywood finally gets its grubby little paws on it and reboots it. And so we're going to take five characters from this movie reboot it, and discuss how this movie would live in 2019. But before we do, we're going to talk about some actual reboots that have been going on in the trades, as they say. Oh, crap. Why do I have this one? Wait, which one did I give you? Grease. Yeah. It's Um, the word. Grease prequel, summer loving, in development at Paramount. Um, So a movie based on essentially taken from the song Summer Lovin', sung in the classic musical, is being written by John August, famed screenwriter and renowned podcaster from the podcast Script Notes, which if you are a budding screenwriter or a struggling screenwriter, even anyone who wants to deal with Hollywood, you should listen to this podcast. It talks about a wide breadth of things that this industry does. Mm -hmm. So he has been tapped to write the prequel movie based on the song that they sing in the original Grease. Now, quick fact about me. I hate Grease. Really? I've never seen it, but I hate it. And every song that they play, I can't stand. And if you were a DJ unlucky enough to perform at a high school dance, do not play Summer Lovin'. You should be thrown in jail. Now, with that said, if John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John reprise their roles for the prequel, which I've dubbed Grease 3 colon pre-Grease, I'm in. I will watch this. As someone who loves Grease and who wore the Grease soundtrack out when I was a kid, um, this is a bad idea. 
the joy of Summer Lovin' is that it tells the story of the summer that Danny and Sandy spent together before they met again in high school. And so Sandy's version is like wholesome. This guy held her hand. They walked on the beach. Danny's version is like, we, we bone. Yes. And so the purpose of the song is to be like, not even who's telling the truth. It's just, oh, okay, so these are the two worlds that these people are coming from and they're about to clash. Summer loving had me a blast. Summer loving happened so fast. I met a girl crazy for me. Met a boy cute as for me. Summer day. I don't like the idea of them explaining it. Mm. I don't want to know because part of the joy of Greece is that when they get together after that summer, everything has changed for them. And it's the journey of like Danny realizing or the journey of both of them realizing that they kind of have to meet in the middle. Um, Whatever. But they don't mean in the middle. She literally changes everything about her to be like him. Well, she changes her appearance, but so does he. He is he becomes like the preppy jock, or he tries to for her. Mm. But does it you stick? haven't seen that you sit you haven't I've seen, seen the this, flying you car. You haven't seen this seen movie. I'm so mad. You haven't seen this movie. I've seen the flying car. Shut up. Okay. So <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. You don't like this. I I'm actually like, here's the thing. I trust John August to like structure this in a way that makes it work. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I agree with you. Like, we don't need the fucking Rashom. Sorry, guys. Warning. Screenwriter lingo being thrown around here. We don't need the Rashomon aspect of this. No, I think I, I think this version of of a Greece prequel is not a great idea. I would just rather see the origin of some of the other characters, like mm. Rizzo. So much more interesting. I'll take your word for it. Um, because you've never seen the movie. Right. Uh. <laughs> Let's move on to... Let's move on to some real, real reboot news. Okay, so I'll start this by saying they're remaking The Last of the Mohicans as a series. Carrie Joji Fukunaga and Nicole Cassell are making it happen for Paramount TV. And I got to say, before we even get any further, of all the movies we have done on this podcast... They're remaking Clueless. We've already been over that. If we had to take a big old guess as to what the second movie that we have done on this podcast that would actually be remade in real life, The Last of the Mohicans would probably be one of the last things I would say. And it's happening. It's It was shocking news when I heard it. I think this came out a couple of days ago, so a couple of weeks from when you guys hear this. But like the people involved with this – Carrie Joji Fukunaga, Nicole Castle, who directed episodes of The Leftovers and The Watchman Pilot. Oh, yeah. Um, Incredible cable director. Yeah. Westworld, Vinyl, The Americans, Better Call Saul. Like the way that they talk about this project, it's like they're Citizen Kane. They're like, we wanted this so badly. And I'm what as as we know, as a huge fan of the movie and <laughs> the book, as I read it twice in high school, I'm I would and he, I would follow Carrie Fukunaga into battle. Uh, yeah. Like I'm I'm right there for whatever the vision of this is. And so I'm I'm so excited for this. If the worst happens, you stay alive, you strong, you survive. Stay alive, no matter what occurs. I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far. I will find you. This is the most important question. Do they call him Natty Bumpo? They have to. They have to. They have to. If they don't, it's bullshit and I don't (laughs) want it. Here's the thing. I think now is the chance because they're making a series for them to solve a bunch of the issues that the really fantastic movie actually had. Because we talked at length about Mm -hmm. how there were stories that clearly got cut and people who just didn't really get their chance to shine. And now is the time to tell everybody's story. Yeah. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see some Native American actors shine. Yes. I'm excited to see... A very sort of, I don't want to just be like a dark, gritty reboot, but I want to see a very like real take on these battles. I, I'm excited, even though, I mean, I would be very fascinated to see if anybody we picked ended up in this show. I know that I picked Robert Pattinson to play Hawkeye, but you know what? I'm trying to remember who I picked. 
Oh, I picked Aiden uh, Turner. Turner. Let's not spoil it. You know what, guys? Check out our episode. <laughs> episode 25? Yeah, if you've never listened to last, if you've never seen The Last of the Mohicans, I cannot recommend it enough. Let's get to this week's reboot of Tremors. I'm very excited to get into this with you. Um, you're going to have to kind of walk me through it because I didn't get to read the trivia, but I feel like you are my docent. You are my guide to everything that is Tremors universe. <laughs> okay. So I, I trust you. Um, you want to talk about it? Yeah. Right. Let's do it. Guys, this is our reboot of Tremors. Where'd you get it? I don't know. We had it. Disgusting. Have a snake? Hey, it must have grabbed us. That's why the truck stalled out. Next time I tell you I'm not hung up. Hey, wait, this stalled out your truck? You have to be one strong son of a bitch. Thanks, too. I'll give you boys five dollars for this. Twenty. Okay, ten. Fifteen. Okay, fifteen. Damn right, fifteen. I don't believe you guys. Tremors, directed by Ron Underwood, director of such movies as City Slickers, episode 17, and Mighty Joe Young, which we haven't done. (gasps) Should we do a gorilla movie? Yeah. Oh, let's do a gorilla month. Mighty Joe Young, Congo, George of the Jungle, because he has the talking Mm -hmm. gorilla friend. What's another gorilla? Rampage. Done. (laughs) Stars Kevin Bacon as Valentine McKee. Fred Ward as Earl Bass, Finn Carter as Rhonda LeBeck, Michael Gross as Burt Gummer, and Reba McIntyre as Heather Gummer. Now, there is a slew of other great characters and great yeah. character actors in this movie. We chose these five because uh, they felt right. So if yeah. you think that we should have done other characters, you're wrong. I don't know. Let it tweet at us. We don't fucking care. Start your own <laughs> podcast. Start your own damn podcast. You sit in the hot room. And talk about every yeah, single character. Yeah, guys, it's about movie. to be summer. You don't Ooh, even boy. you don't even know. So I had never seen this movie. I've already gushed about it. Why don't we just sort of get into it? Unless mm-hmm. um, there's anything else that we really want oh, to talk about. Um, I guess the the one thing is like I really love the setting, the the contrast between like the old dusty dirt nowhere town. Yeah. And like aliens, and I re- or or monsters but, or yeah. whatever they are. Not a lot of movies about nowhere you know what i mean and yeah like, these kind of towns always spook me when i drive by yeah and so to have the sort of tone of like the fun punchy adventure i mean putting I, I like putting me. a cast of characters who are like a mix of like fun and funny and odd and quirky like putting that in the little town i think takes the sort of like spookiness out of it yeah like it's it's a very like daytime movie yeah the, um the fear of the town it's not the fear of the town rather yeah. the fear of like just being isolated like they're on yeah. a, they, they might as well just be on an island yeah right and i just thought that was really great now the other thing that was kind of that i focused on and i mentioned this to you before we started recording your birthday's coming up yeah and so this being one of your favorite movies ever could i say that it's a it's a childhood favorite all right so i didn't want to ruin it so i tried to pack it with Either Kenna's favorites oh, or people that, you know, would were you you thought that would do you proud. So this this I hope I didn't screw this up. So but why don't you go first? Okay. We're gonna start with Val. Valentine McKee, played by the incomparable, the irreplaceable, the stunning, the incredible, the talented Kevin Bacon. No breakfast? I did it yesterday. It was bologna and beans? No, it was eggs. I did eggs. The hell you did? Bologna and beans. It's your turn. Well, I guess when I'm your age, I'll forget what I eat too. I love Kevin Bacon. It really it's it's a it's a testament to Val and Earl and their weird relationship, which I Yeah, what, what is going on here? We've done two movies in a row where I don't understand <laughs> the male friendships in them, but um, I'm going to say this. In my head, my Val and Earl are in somewhat of an open sexual relationship. Like okay. They are definitely spending <laughs> a lot of time together. Uh-huh. They definitely kind in, of – In the bed of that truck. They kind of like get on each other's nerves all the time. But yeah, you know what? But they love each other. They're they're lovers in other ways. Um, um, my favorite thing about uh, Kevin Bacon in this movie is that he, according to the trivia, he thought this was the dumbest thing he ever decided to do. Really? Like, truly, like, his wife was pregnant. 
Kira Sedgwick. And <laughs> his wife was pregnant and he was like, I just remember being like, what did I sign up to do? This is insane. But you would never tell that he thought this movie was crazy by his performance. Right. He's good in it. What did he think of the movie afterwards? Was he like pleasantly surprised or did he, was he like? I don't yeah. think so. Oh, really? <laughs> Which is interesting because I'm sure he's fine now that it's developed cult status because he voluntarily wanted to be in the Tremors show. Oh. Yeah. I mean, but he acted his ass off. He's good. And yeah. you just – you so can't tell that he wasn't – he didn't care. Maybe that's just a testament to how good he is. Like he can't – he can't go yeah. below – he's like Celine Dion. This thing only goes to 11. You know what I mean? <laughs> can't not do the most um so for my val i wanted to pick someone who i think has grown to be a really great actor who is funny mm-hmm. um who i doesn't take himself too seriously and i think could give a similar comedic performance while also just like nailing it emotionally i went with channing tatum oh yep love channing tatum I sort of saw him doing a version of like Logan Lucky, but just totally mm. like going left. And there's none of this like, eh, maybe mm. he's like real life. It's just no, 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 no. Channing is like I, off in space. I like Channing as a Val because Val is really kind of like not so much like a big dreamer, but he dreams of of. Anywhere but this. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, take me out of this place. He Get doesn't me. know what he wants. He just doesn't want this. Yeah. You know, not having a plan is what keeps us doing jobs like this. Just doing jobs like this is you dragging your feet. Oh, are you going to stand there and tell me in broad daylight that I'm the reason we're still in perfection? You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? I'll call that little bluff. How close? Where are they trying to get to? Bixby? Bixby. It's like, just get me to Bixby. And that, to me, is like, that's where Channing Tatum made his bread and butter. It's like, start at the bottom, now we're now we're here kind of characters. And I think that having someone like that who's just, like, determined to get out and they just can't, I, I like it. There is something about Kevin Bacon. Maybe it's just, like, Kevin Bacon's youth like youthfulness he, he he's almost like he's really brash like val is very brash yeah. and that's sort of who like where i leaned into the character a little bit like someone who thinks like leaps before he looks kind of mm-hmm. like um what was the part where I, I mean the end of the movie is basically him saying like i'm not gonna let these things get us like i'm just i have an idea yeah and he like runs off with he the dynamite literally <clears throat> takes off running <laughs> Um, so I was trying to think of an actor who could play someone who is a little more – not rambunctious. Um, what's another word for brash? Someone who is cocksure? No. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Someone who's just sort of like a little more like rough and tumble and he's just like he, – he doesn't think linearly – like he, he doesn't think of the next step. Like the yeah. scene where he's trying to – they're trying to decide who's going to run for the tractor. Yes. It's Val who who loses the bet, but he's like – But he takes it anyway. But he ta- he's like despite Earl's protest, he's the one who just runs for it. Yeah. He doesn't think about his his own life. He's just trying to get to the thing. Um, so I was trying to think of someone who could play a little reckless. That was the word I was there looking for. There we go. And who you love very okay, much. Here now, we go. there's an accent challenge, but he's going from Australian to American – and he's done a German accent, so I'm pretty sure he could do an American Southern accent. I picked Jai Courtney. <sighs> you know I love a Jai Courtney. <laughs> Jai Courtney belongs in this movie. So what I thought. Wow, I'm a little sad. I didn't. Well, I cast him recently. Yeah, um, and I don't think I've ever cast him before. So I was like, all right, you know what? But this is there is th- this movie is some Jai Courtney level business because it's a little wacky. Yeah, but it's actiony. But you had to be serious or else yes. it falls apart. And Jai – Jai. I can't believe there's a man named Jai. <laughs> but Jai Courtney has done a lot of really serious roles, mm-hmm. which is strange because we see him as the third on the call sheet on the Divergent series. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, and, and Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad. God bless. But he he has a capability yeah. to play things, you know, really earnestly. Yeah. He's got he's got Jason Clark syndrome a little bit where mm. like he has been pigeonholed to the point where people just don't see him any other way. Right. 
And so something like this could really break him out. Yeah. Something with a little bit of personality that's not Suicide Squad. Right. Hey, Rhonda, you ever heard of anything like this before? Oh, sure, Earl. Everybody knows about him. We just didn't tell you. Oh, hell, man, no one ever saw anything like this. We're really on to something here. I like it. I'm never going to turn down a Jai Courtney. <laughs> okay. Should we move on to Earl? Yeah, we should. Earl Bass, played by Fred Ward. Earl, he is the kind of cool side of the pillow. You know what yeah. I mean? What I loved about Earl was that he was um, – I sort of saw him as like Earl was Valentine just like six years later. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or ten years later. And so the world has beaten him down a bit. He's probably eaten – and shoveled more shit in his days than Val has. Like Val still has a little to, to borrow a term from Jack Nicholson in the movie. Wow. I don't remember the movie, but uh, <laughs> Val has a little more lead in his pencil. You know what I mean? And I think Earl, <laughs> Earl is a little more. Well, Earl is Earl is the one who is like you're you're not thinking three steps ahead, and so he's the one who's like I always have to do the thinking because Val's not going to think far enough ahead yeah. to actually help us get to that point, right. and so we see him as the more we see him as the responsible one. Yeah, but they um, have to make good partners. Yeah, uh, and lovers. No, um, <laughs> I mean sure. <laughs> so I have been waiting to use this actor. I have not used him yet. Surprisingly, I think you might have. It's your birthday's coming up, so I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna place him in here. I picked. The Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal. Yep. Speaking of Pedro Pascal and his uh, – if if you guys don't know who Pedro Pascal is, he was in um, a season of Narcos. He was in a season of Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. He was in Triple Frontier, which I did watch a couple weeks back. We haven't talked about this. And liked. I liked it. I didn't like it. I enjoyed it. I don't know why I enjoyed it. I thought that it just took me on an adventure. Um, (laughs) Pedro Pascal is that kind of – personality though yeah like the the scene that really i focused on was when the scene that they decide to leave Mm -hmm. where earl is like i'm real close to getting out of this town and then val is like how close and then the septic tank explodes and then it um covers them in shit and then it's just like the next scene is like they're packed they're on the road and then the shit hits the fan guys look i don't need firewood i have this big order to fill and i have to build my new pottery kiln Come on, it'll be at least a month's work. I'll throw in lunches. And beer. That's why I was like, these characters are really well established. Yeah. They really like did a great job underlining who these guys are and what this world is and what the world means to them. I think, too, it's super easy for something like this to capture you early on because you you know these people. You know somebody who like if you (laughs) imagine you live in a small town like you know these people exist the handyman that everybody just sort of knows Mm -hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna do any job you give them you just call them up they're pretty reliable they're your person like they probably don't have any aspiration to be anything more than that and so i think that this we're on board with them even though earl is like we like we just have to make sure we have enough money to make it to the next step like when it all comes down to it he's like no okay we're getting out of here and we get that and we like that about Mm -hmm. them yeah. Um okay. Well, now that I'm seeing your your uh Val and Earl combo. It's interesting that you consider them um lovers. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Happy birthday, Kenna. <laughs> Who'd you pick? Wow. I mean, honestly, this is a happy birthday to myself um, because this is where things get real crazy pants in my cast. I cast Oscar Isaac. Happy beats here, buddy. Come on. Well, I mean, Channing, Channing Tatum, Oscar Isaac, this movie makes at least $200 million. Here's the thing. I did watch Triple Frontier. And even though the movie wasn't great, Charlie Hunnam, buddy, quit <laughs> trying to do it. Stop casting him as an American. But the thing I think that I liked about it is that I didn't love the movie. And so it, it brought Oscar Isaac down to a really like relatable level. And I was like, you know what? You'll do some bad movies. You'll you'll do some like oh you'll do some some campy films. You'll do it. And so I thought I think he would have a lot of fun doing something that's a little more comedic. You know, very five o'clock shadowy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I like this team. I like the team of Oscar Isaac and Channing Tatum just being best old buds. That's a fun, like, good old boy duo. Yep. I okay. So official business out of the way. For those of you keeping track at home, you've now used two Oscar Isaacs. Yeah, I know. I've only used one, and we so we can only use three a year. No, four a year. Four a year? I think so. See, it's now six. you're trying to rewrite. You're trying <laughs> to rewrite say, history. If it's only three, I think it's only three. But um, okay, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say anything bad about Oscar Isaac. I do like the idea of. See, I guess it. It's, it's weird. Like, have they ever been in a movie, like a Soderbergh movie together or something like that? I feel like... No, but it sort of seems like they would have. See, Oscar Isaac, to me, as Earl, seems less of like a planner, but more of like a schemer. But I do like the idea that he's the thinker. Nestor's not home tomorrow. Now, look, we don't dig today. We don't get paid today. Now, damn it, Valentine, you never plan ahead. You never take the long view. I mean, here it is Monday, and I'm already thinking of Wednesday. It is Monday, right? And to sort of see them kind of, because um, there's a little bit of like a love triangle between Earl and Val and uh, Rhonda, to yeah. see them kind of like mostly because there are no other women in the town. Sure. And if you guys are asking, like, well, Brian, like, why are you? Why in your version are they lovers? But then does the story play out with Rhonda? Yes, exactly. They can be bisexual. Yeah. They can be open. It doesn't matter. Two sexually fluid cowboys fighting monsters. Man. <laughs> How do I not have an agent? Um, oh, no one has an agent. Still? We don't oh, know. We don't know. Nope, still. There's no still. way. There's no way this is getting resolved before this comes out. Okay. Um, okay, let's go. Let's move on to Rhonda LeBeck, played by Finn Carter, who hadn't really done anything else after this. Like, her IMDb nope. was kind of kind of thin. Which is a little sad, because she is she's super charismatic. I enjoy her in this a lot. Especially because when you first see her... And we'll we'll get this out of the way. When we first meet her, they literally hear over the CB like, "Hey, there's a new gra- there's a new like graduate student out there." And Val is like, "She will have long blonde hair, big green eyes, world class breasts, ass that won't quit, and legs that go all the way up." It's he, so weird. And then they happen upon Rhonda and she literally has like sun a sunscreen like. And like a fisherman's sun hat tint on. And is like, hey guys, what's up? Which is fine. Um, also classic like nerdy scientist trope to always be concerned about the equipment more than like their right. own life. Like I think it's the first time that they realize that they're monsters. They go back to one of her reading sites. Mm-hmm. And the earth is like shaking. She's like, my gear. And maybe I'm remembering this movie a little bit differently because I've only seen it once. But like (laughs) it really felt like that was like a really classic scientist trope who's like, I need to get the reading. It's like, fuck the reading. Get on the rock. Anyways. But she's she's great to watch because I would always try to find her face in like group shots because she's always just doing a little bit more than everybody else. So for my Rhonda. I picked, oh, in a weird little reunion I didn't realize I was doing, I picked Kelly Marie Tran of Star Wars fame, Yeah, but who has been uh, acting for a while in in, uh, little comedy bits. And UCB theaters. Yeah, 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 for (laughs) sure, for sure. Um, I think she is a joy. And I think the thing about Rhonda is that she has to just bring energy. Mm-hmm. Like she is a different type of person walking into perfection. And she is just bringing all sorts of like hype grad school energy. Oh, you know what I loved is when they like realize it's a monster and they all gather at the convenience store uh-huh. and they're all asking her questions. They're all like, but where did it come from? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. This is one of the most formidable discoveries in science. Rhonda, where did it come from? I don't know. You're a scientist, aren't you? Yeah, aren't you supposed to have a theory or something? Look, these creatures are absolutely unprecedented. Yeah, but where do they come from? I'm very interested what is going to happen with her career because mm-hmm. she's in these Star Wars movies – this whole thing with her, like social media, like she, like infamous, not even infamously, you know, unfortunately had to leave social media because people were just like bashing the Last Jedi and bashing her character, and yeah. it was like, ugh, this is disgusting. Um, 
So I'm interested to see like what she's doing. I mean, she's in Star Wars, so she's already in the movie with, you know, Oscar Isaac. But to like put her in like another big budget thing, I think would be really, really cool for her. And you're right. She does bring a different energy. Like this character does bring a weird vibration, no pun intended. But like (laughs) but like when she's thrown into the mix with these, you know, townspeople. She's she's not really one of them until like the end. Like the, it's like the group experience like finally kind of makes her yeah. want to they, – they like kind of all come together. But I like how you thought about that. That's really interesting. Thank you. I picked an actor – no, I'm not <laughs> – I just made you this said. <laughs> entire gay fantasy for Kenna. What about me? You said I need to make this for you. <laughs> what? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I was just like, I cast all five of the hunkiest, your favorite hunky actors for this movie. No, I just wanted to do it right. Um, The best parts of Rhonda that I really like are kind of those deadpan moments where, like we talked about, like when the out-of-towners are just like badgering her about like what it is. Or, you know, when she, you know, uses science to like kind of like figure this stuff out. I picked Natalie Morales from Parks and Rec and The Middleman solid choice thank you um i just i just love that she she anytime i watch her she just kind of comes into the space and she kind of has like she just kind of has a weird vibe to her like she's always just kind of like I, I don't know how you describe it she's not like demure but it's it's um it's almost like she's she's thinking like a mile a minute about yeah. everything that she's seeing and so i like that about her as the outsider watching these townspeople come together to deal with this thing and then, you know, try and survive it. We're going to have to come up with some sort of plan. He's just going to wait us to death. Yeah, well, I was well, Why don't we just we make could... it run for it? We outran him yesterday. Run for it? Running's not a plan. Now, running's what you do when the plan fails. All right, well, why don't you start thinking? Well, why in the hell do I always have to do all the things? Who died and made you Einstein? You guys know how to pull vault! <laughs> We just stay where it can't get us. That's a great choice. No, I think she, I I think what I've seen her most recently in is the Santa Clarita diet. Again, I'm the only person still watching that show. But she plays a cop who keeps interjecting herself into this, but so earnestly. Mm -hmm. And I love that about her because I think in other things I've seen her play very much more like direct, a little more. um, She's got a little bit more of a a sharp wit, a little bit more of a sarcasm. But it's just so refreshing to see her play sort of both sides that she can be the sort of earnest student but also like in this insane scenario bring a little bit of of uh, a levity yes to it that's yes um in a different way because we've got our guys who are just like blowing it up but um she's got the she's got the science she's the one who looks at charts and is like there's four of them yeah she's the one who can figure out like yeah. There's a finite number. And at that point, I'm like, screenwriting 101, they're going to have to kill all four of these. Screenwriting 101, tell us how many there are <laughs> so we know how long this movie's going to be. Or And then in screenwriting 102, you learn that uh, if there's a bad guy with a huge army, if you kill the one bad guy, the army dissipates because we do not have the fucking time. No, we don't. We really don't. Okay, let's move on to Burt Gummer, played by Michael Gross, TV's number one dad of the 80s fresh, and early 90s. Fresh off of t- our television screens and onto our movie screens. For the Gen Zers out there, there was a little show called Family Ties, which mm-hmm. starred Michael J. Fox. Yep. And Michael Gross, who played the father in Family Ties, um, <laughs> really. <laughs> Starring Michael J. Fox like it didn't have anything to do with Michael right. Gross. Um, Michael Gross really became the anchor to this franchise. He really became like the the, yeah. uh, the guiding light to, to say in, in Tremors 2, 3, 4. Is there five of them or is there four of them? Oh, there's like seven of them. Really? There's a lot of oh, these movies. Have you, how many have you seen? Um, I think through f- three or four. Okay. So because of – Who was in this role? This one was the hardest one for me. I was like, this guy, if he's going to – he has these certain qualities of like he and his wife are survivalists. Mm -hmm. He's always prepared. But there's some – something registered in me that like Bert and Heather did not like grow up in a place like this. That like they were originally city folk who like were tired of the rat race and were like, we need to get away from the government, from – taxes from bills from cell phones 
even like to some extent like people like we we want to become like self self-sustaining yeah. self-sufficient people so he's not like your typical military guy no and he's also really funny broke into the wrong goddamn rec room didn't you you bastard we killed it you got that we killed that mother humper. come back <laughs> Uh, roger that, Bert, and, uh, congratulations. Be advised, however, there are two more, repeat, two more mother humpers. Everyone in this movie is really funny in their own right, and so it's also like, okay, so there's gotta be comedy, he's gotta have a certain vibe to him, and he also has to be a really good actor to play this sort of, like, serious, prepared, kind of crazy person. Yeah. So, who did I pick to build my Tremors church? Who shall be the rock that I build this franchise upon? Wow. I picked one of TV's greatest dads, a man that I don't know if you know his work as much as I love this work. I'll admit okay. this pick was for me. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's a little selfish, but okay. I picked Kyle Chandler. Oh, yeah. That's all for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Friday Night Lights. I'm so sorry it's to the fine. world. Bloodline. Have you seen Bloodline? No. Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Uh, but I did cast Taylor Kitchen something, so. Did you see whatever. Game Night? Yeah. There you go. Okay. You got a little window into Kyle Chandler's <laughs> world. But in Game Night, he plays like such a departure from like his Coach Taylor days. Because he really is like a a sincerely wholesome. He He's a he's a dad that people have like adopted themselves into his family. <laughs> Has he really? I feel like people people oh, feel oh, that the, way. We've adopted him. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, people feel that type of way about. But, but him I was and thinking, Kyburn. like, he can play those like really serious moments of like three years of food and water, and like he's he's lamenting every this thing that he's built. In well, the desert. when they have to leave their their compound, right? Um, but then there's like he also has like these senses of humor with the fucking kid, and he the kid won't leave the truck, and he hands him a gun, <laughs> and the kid's running and he's shooting at the. truck. Tremors and it, it's empty. And he's like, You asshole, there's no bullets in this gun. Got your moving, didn't it? I think <laughs> Kyle Chandler can play all of this like weird, complex mm -hmm, character mm -hmm. that is Burt Gummer. So that's who I went with. And I'm happy with it. No, yeah, I'm really proud of you. Um Happy birthday. <laughs> that's so rude. Um no, I think that's I think it's a smart choice. For many reasons. I can't say that I feel strongly about Kyle Chandler, but I think he would do a wonderful job. Thank you. He seems like a nice man. Thank you. The Gummers are some of the most specific and well-written characters I've ever seen. Second one, you're like, I get it. Like, they are the type of people who have built a compound in the middle of the desert because they plan on being the last ones left alive yeah. in the apocalypse and yeah. everybody in the town has just accepted them but they also think that they're crazy until the day that they need their very large arsenal of weapons <laughs> and then it all makes sense and they become the like linchpin of the survival of this whole town any gun nut out there will watch the 5 minute gun unloading scene and we'll just be like see this, this, is, this why. is why um who'd you pick so well first of all i wanted to say because i told you i pulled some pieces of, of trivia this is yeah. a piece of trivia i think it's the best piece of trivia i've ever read on imdb are you ready for it i'm so ready <clears throat> bert's 1989 gmc jimmy was michael gross's real life vehicle he bought it brand new in 1988 and kept it until 1997 in 1997, he bought a new GMC Jimmy, which he kept until 2006, full stop. <laughs> and that's a piece of trivia. Michael Gross straight up wrote that, was like, I'm putting my DMV information up on this. <laughs> Look how well I maintain this car. <laughs> I mean, he's a practical man. Practical man. Um, so for my Bert, I picked Pablo Schreiber. And I like him for this. Mm. Uh, Pablo Schreiber of uh, Orange is the New Black, mm -hmm. of American, American Gods. Gods, of Skyscraper, Den of Thieves, 13. He's going to be in Halo, the TV series. Oh. He's done a ton of stuff. Great character actor. I, I love his energy for this because I think he could be the... Uh, I think you could throw a pair of aviator sunglasses on him and he would be... 
rattling off gun facts left and right and you get it you and know what's funny there's also just like a manic energy yeah too. that's what i was gonna say like what you know what's funny is like you could play a version of tremors with him in it that's like straight comedy right you could play a version of tremors that would be like horror sci-fi mm-hmm. and he would live in both yeah. like he's such a great actor that like he, that can fine tune exactly what the project needs yep like an orange and the new black he's just on the other side of like cartoonish yeah uh, and how like abusive he is it seems crazy it does but like it's so precise yes that it maintains the uneasiness of his which is what makes him so which un- is like interesting watchable. you say that because i think michael gross is writing that same very fine line in this movie and that he could take it if he took a step to the right yeah he is off the yeah. deep end you know those uh, college kids turn up oil or uranium or something out there next thing the feds will be at our door so. down honey down yeah bert well you worry you're gonna have a heart attack before you get a chance to survive world war three but he doesn't yeah. He stays right there. I like that pick. I hope Pablo Schreiber does a lot more stuff. Like Me I too. Like I see a uh I see like a big blockbuster movie in his future. If I if I if I can read the crystal ball here. I just really feel like he's gonna be in a it's gonna be in a, a Star Wars. Um <laughs> I can see him being like a a villain, a, maybe a more broad villain in a much larger movie. And it working for him in a way that it sort of like just inches him into the public eye a little bit yeah. more. Okay. Heather Gummer played by the Reba. The Reba. I mean, we don't need last names when we're talking about Reba. Um, Reba <clears throat> is the only Reba. Who I kind of was like, she's kind of the calmer of the two Gummers. Like, I love the idea of the wife being just as uh, involved and passionate about the sort of survivalist life. Mm-hmm. But she seemed like... They're a, way more level-headed. They're a perfect pair in that you like in in a honestly in a worse version of this movie, one of them is way more passionate than the other. Yeah. But what works about their relationship is that they are both gung-ho. And sure, Reba looks like she has never shot a gun in her life. But you know when an actor holds a gun and you're like, uh oh, no one trained this person. There's well, there's just there's what, times where you're like, what are you doing? Because anybody who's ever done like a big action movie has said the one thing you have to figure out how to do is how to shoot a gun without closing your eyes. That's what they teach you how to do, because that's the one way you can look at someone and be like, they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. She did not receive that training. <laughs> she looks crazy in some of these scenes, but she's going for it. Yeah. There's no hesitation about it. And I think it just started a, like Reba's talented. Yeah. She's a really, really good actor. It was just kind of strange to be like, is that Reba McIntyre? Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. Yeah, it is. Um, and this was sort of the first thing she had done. Yeah. It was crazy. So, and then she got her own television show that was on, on for, for years. years, which I never watched. Really? Oh, I think I've seen most of it. Oh, really? Yeah. I was just like. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, okay. So for my Heather, I picked someone who I think is strong and capable and could match my Bert. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as a plus, she can also sing, which I thought was a lot of fun. Oh. I'm trying to have a soundtrack moment, honestly. <laughs> um, I picked Cynthia Erivo, whom I love. I think that as a team, it would be really fun to sort of watch them be a little insane, but be fully embraced. For their insanity. The phone's out. The road's out. We're on our own. You two are just loving it, aren't you? Come on, Nancy. Let's don't get personal about this thing. We've got to do something. Hell yes. We are completely cut off. She's incredible. Yeah. She is so fucking good in everything that she's in. Yeah. Uh, Widows, Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, But I think what's weird is like the pairing seems so strange to me. It seems strange to you? Yeah, a little Makes bit. Makes sense to me. Okay. Be- I guess because everything I see her in, she's like so serious. Mm-hmm. So I guess like to see her kind of also be weird, it's like I'm sure she can do it, but I'm just not accustomed to it. But yeah, I love her. I love her. I think she's so talented. Yeah, she's incredible. Um. Okay. Last pick for Braga here. Okay. 
Are you making a big budget monster movie? Yes. Is it going to be released in the summer? Probably. Is there a character who's not the main character, but sort of a side character that's related to someone like a mom or a wife? Yes, absolutely. Does she also have red hair? Yes. Okay. You know what? Judy Greer, come on up. Come on up, Judy. <laughs> come on up and crush this role out of the park. Go do, and take your rightful place. Do what you do best and just live in these big blockbuster movies, not as the main character, <laughs> but as like the mother-daughter in Halloween or the sister in Jurassic World or the ex-wife in Ant-Man. Come on, Judy. Come on up. The, the the universe calls you to I be I 100% here. believe in this because for two and a half seconds, you're watching Halloween and you're like, okay, Judy Greer, sure. You were like, your mom was insane and taught you how to shoot guns. Sure, sure, sure. And then at the end of the movie, when the twist happens and you're just like, Judy Greer? <laughs> yeah, she could do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exciting. I just love the idea of her in the room just blasting this monster away because like she's always the person worried she's always like an ant-man she's just worried about scott and her daughter jurassic world she's worrying about her sister and her kids then halloween she's just worried about her mom and her daughter until the very end and you're like yes judy can fucking do this yeah so let's just give her a role that we know that she does well but also is is active in the adventure <laughs> that that's, is along for the ride. That's a fun that's a, that's a fun way to round things out. And I love the idea of like the husband and wife couple up on the roof building bombs together. And she's <laughs> and there's some domestic thing about it where he's like right. he's trying to get on the truck. He's like, come on, like let's leave it. She's like, well, we're gonna need the ammo. Like, like you're, you're gonna you wanna leave it now, but later you're gonna need it. And it's like, this is just such a great (laughs) scene. They're such great characters, like hidden in this weird movie. Yes. I love it. Great. Great. We did it. We survived. We're on the rocks. There's only one thing left to do. All the monsters are dead, except where does Barry Pepper go? There's only so many people that the legendary Barry Pepper could be. Yep. I made him the doctor. Jim the Doctor. Me. Two. Two in a row. Two for two. Wow. Well, like more like two for 60, but <laughs> two in a row two is Two in great. a row. Three more in a row. We get a free Subway sub. Um, Do you promise? Oh, yes. <laughs> I haven't eaten Subway since Jer- the whole Jared debacle, but if we get wow. three more berry peppers, I'll go back. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I think it's the idea that, like, he plays a, uh, a pretty important part of the town. Yep. He has a pretty memorable death. Maybe it's a geological thing of something like natural gas or, or a geyser. They stink like that. Remember in Yellowstone? Oh, God! Oh, Do you have any notes on this movie? I love a movie that has been edited down to PG-13. So I don't know if you caught this, but um, this movie was originally rated R, not for violence, but for language, because the original cut had like 20 F-bombs. Really? So the producers removed all but two. And so there are several moments in the movie where you can see that they have edited over. (laughs) So there's a point, well, at the end when they kill it and Kevin Megan's like, can you fly, sucker? That's not what he says. And then there's a point when they kill the graboid in the basement where Bert says, we killed that mother humper. That's not uh, what yeah. he says. I love that. I think that gives the movie character. I always love it like when it's on TV. I mean, I know this isn't like a new hot take, but like people, you know, when you watch like Die Hard on TV and he's like... Was the famous one? It's like you, you melon farmer, <laughs> you gosh darn melon farmer. It's like yeah, this is great. Um, but to see it like in an actual final print of a movie yeah. that obviously had a very specific budget 
and they got all of the shots that they needed and nothing else, which was, I thought, a tremendous credit yep. to the person who directed this, to Mr. Richard Underwood. Um, here's my biggest pet peeve of this entire movie, and I'm going to lay it on the table. Okay. And I wrote this down exactly how I am about to say it. Whose child is this Melvin? Whose child okay, is this Melvin? Okay, okay. So this to is To whom something- does he belong? <laughs> so- Who is this scamp? One of these days, somebody's going to kick your ass. So I read somewhere in the trivia that his parents don't exist in the movie, but that the screenwriters created the story in their heads that Melvin's parents go to Vegas a lot. And so he is left to his own devices like all the time. And so that's what's happening. But like not one word says any of that, which no. is hilarious. But to I me. love that. I love that. But I kept being like, is he Bert? is he Bert's kid? Is he just Bert and Heather's shitty kid? No. Is he the other guy's kid who lives in the trailer? No, because he lives in this other house with the septic tank. But he's he's not he doesn't have a job. All he does is like fake play basketball for the whole thing. Melvin is a latchkey kid in the middle of nowhere. That's hilarious. (laughs) And he's just like, just his whole tone of just being shitty, I loved. I just loved. He added so much flavor. In the sauce of this movie, Melvin was the uh, The garlic. (laughs) Sure. The oregano. I don't. I don't mean to step on your metaphor. No. Which? What kind of sauce are you making? Um, I was gonna say cilantro because I like cilantro, but then I thought about how it's kind of a controversial addition to most things because some people think it tastes like soap. But yeah, and that's genetic. Anything else? I just love this movie. I think you've converted a new fan as well. I'm so glad. So that's it for us, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the boot like this episode please check out our past episodes and stay tuned next week because we have a great movie for you a great episode on its way so tell your friends rate subscribe cannot work in the people find us you can find this podcast on apple podcast stitcher podbean or wherever you get your podcasts stop by and leave us a rating and review that is the best way to help us out don't you want to help us out you can also find us on ko-fi now where you can go to make a very small donation to help keep this podcast going because you know you want more of this that link is in our description below and all over twitter speaking of twitter you can find us on social media at the boot podcast on twitter and at boot podcast on instagram or you can find us individually because picking sides is what makes america great again at can it oh. me <laughs> i'm so sorry okay guys we'll see you next time it's